Hello and welcome to your Sports Memo Podcast. My name is Calvin Emeka Onwuka. It's my privilege to welcome you to this episode of your podcast. I'll be having with me in the pod um, a Nigerian a football coach in the United States. A Nigerian football coach anywhere outside Nigeria is a rarity. But even one in the US is an even rarer species. But yes, I'll be having Michael Nsien of FC Tulsa in the pod with me. He uh, Hopefully he'll be able to explain or to give us an idea, give us a peek into why he chose um, coaching as a career in the United States. So stay with us. Yeah, welcome back uh, to your Sports Memo Podcast. Like I said earlier, I've got Michael Nsien with me. Um, so the next voice you hear will be Welcome to your Sports Memo Podcast, Michael. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, looking forward to discussing with you uh, about all things football matters. Right. Michael, you were born in Oklahoma. So how have you managed to maintain your Nigerian roots? It's, it's always been important to me. Uh, I've always considered um, Nigeria home. It's my father's land where my father's from. Um, so I've always had this strong connection uh, to Nigeria, uh, whether it's me going there with the under-23 team. But mm-hmm. I've always had this passion that I wanted to, to work with or in Nigeria at some point. Matt, you, you, well, you've jumped ahead to tell me about that under-23 um, invitation of back in 2003. Before then, before then, did you ever visit Nigeria? No, uh, n- never. I would say never had the opportunity, but it just uh, it never came about. Mm. You know, maybe, maybe because my my dad was working so hard in the U.S. just mm-hmm. to try to get his his footing in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was always every birthday, uh, all the holidays, always talking on the weekends to, to my family members there. So that was always a strong connection in terms of, uh, of being able to speak to and communicate with. Um, but I always long for an opportunity to be there. Now, if you can remember, what was that, What was the experience like for that um, under 23 invitation while you were in camp? What was, it, what was the experience like? Uh, I, would, I would say initially, you know, I was uh, just excited about the opportunity to go uh, to be in Nigeria obviously an opportunity with Nigeria U23 is a, is a great opportunity but mm-hmm. you know I, I knew I would have opportunities to meet family uh, that, that I've talked to for years on the phone and see them face to face the experience there was it was it was it was fantastic mm-hmm. you know uh, and that's what that's withstanding there was some adversity there mm-hmm. but uh you know the, the competition amongst the team mm. was good. It was a good level um, that I was playing with or, or against. Um, unfortunately, we came up short in qualifications, but I also um, I, I fell sick to malaria. You did, and that was my first experience with that. So um, my body wasn't well equipped to deal with it, but um, but but I survived. So it was, it was a difficult challenge. Well, how did how how did they even make contact with you to start with? Yeah, well, strangely enough, uh, 
former Nigerian coach James Peters was was uh, doing university in Oklahoma. All the time. So he was going, he was going to a school there, and mm. he, I think he just kind of became aware of what you know I was doing or playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I got to know him um, while while he was here. He got to know my father pretty well, uh, and then you know he came and he, he's watched me play a few times. He said, you know, I think. I think you have a good level. Why don't you have tried this experience? So he put me in connection uh, with Nigeria, gave me a recommendation, well, uh, and I pursued it. That's brilliant. Listen, um, I, I hate to stereotype here, but you're born in Oklahoma. You're practically you're more an American than you are in Nigeria, right? So why football? Why soccer? As the Americans call it, and not any of the other um, more lucrative American sports. Yeah, um, I, I would have to give my father credit for that. You know, I, I did play other sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, played American football, played basketball. I did, I did everything. You know, I think in general I was a, a, just a good athlete. Okay. But I never, I never felt the way I felt when I when I played uh, soccer. Um, you know, I was good at other sports, maybe could have even pursued a high level at other sports, but nothing gave me uh, quite the joy that I had when I was playing soccer, you know, and that was also uh, a great experience for me and my father. My father was uh, helping coach me at the time growing up, mm-hmm. so, you know, that's probably a big part of it is uh, the opportunity for, for me and my dad to spend uh, time together doing something we both love. What, what, what was it about being on the pitch, playing football, that you that gave you that connection, as the way you're speaking now. What was it playing on the pitch? Yeah, I would say just a freedom to express yourself. You know, like um, you know, other sports, they have, they have some pros and cons. Like you know, I was good at football, but it's like it's very like structured in terms of you know, the players are called and you do this or that. Basketball, similar. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, football. You know, you, you have your instructions from the coach, but, you know, and then the players have to make decisions and you have to make decisions in moments. And it was just like the, the, the constant thinking, you know, um, really drove me and it brought out some of the best moments uh, for me, let's say, in my life, you know, uh, because I was excelling in the sport. So, um, you know, I just had, it just gave me a lot of confidence. I, I grew up in, in Oklahoma in an area mm. that's, uh, you know, socioeconomically very, very low okay. in terms of uh, the financial base. And, and uh, for me to go out and be amongst other people and to excel, and it gave me a lot of confidence uh, on the pitch and in life also. So, because this is this, this I, I get to hear um, this often, and I do know that I have also experienced it. Um, as the, did them um, being a footballer. Um, that that must have um, what's the word? It, it impacted your life socially. It helped you adjust better, did it? Yeah, um, I, the area I grew up in was hundred percent black. You know, okay. Tulsa, Oklahoma is it's pretty segregated in terms of uh, you know the black and white where people live. Okay. Um, so. I had I had opportunities in school to see other ethnic groups, but not like when I played soccer. You know, then I was like, you know, maybe two 
two black people and everyone else in the pitch was you know white or someone that it just gave me an opportunity to, to interact with other people that were different than me mm-hmm. uh and and then form friendships you okay. know relationships and you know you go you make friends you go to their house and you see you see a different way of life and you know and how to speak to, you know different yeah. you know in terms of like okay this is where i come from and this is where i'm at you know how to what are the interactions that are different than what I'm accustomed to? So, um, you know, you learned a lot just about being around different people. So it was a positive experience for that and, and you know, just networking. You did get chosen to, was it LA Galaxy? Yes. Uh, my first professional team was LA Galaxy, yes. Look at that. What was that like? Yeah, it was... Good and bad, you know. It was good because we were the best team in MLS, uh-huh. uh, but I, I wasn't getting many opportunities to play um, except for the reserves. So oh. we, we wanted we won a championship. Uh, we won the cup and the league, you know. And I learned a lot from that experience because uh, we had a very talented team, but we weren't playing really well. And um, you know, the experienced players in the team, you know, really really started to dig deep and help us come out of the situation and we started winning games and mm-hmm. we ended up winning the championship um but you know to be around or amongst you know some of the top players around that time mm-hmm. in the u.s was really good experience uh something that I, i take with me in coaching to this day it must be a bummer not to play in the first team yeah it's you know it, it can be frustrating but you know uh, as a coach I can I can see it both, both ways, you know. Now after that, I moved to Portland where I was playing a lot, you know. So I can I can understand the dynamic of a player that uh, that I coach. Maybe he's not in the team, and how to how do I need to communicate with him and keep him motivated? And then some players that are playing a lot, how do I keep them uh, on their toes? You know, mm-hmm. uncomfortable. To make sure that they're they're still uh, aggressive and, and developing. So I think it gave me a lot of good insight in terms of uh, coaching. Right, uh, it's it's a good thing you mentioned this part because I, I remember many years ago, um, I read the former, the late now late former England manager, um, Sir Bobby Robson. He used to say that uh, when he took England to the World Cup in '86 and '90, that um, he says that when you go to a tournament, that the most important people in the tournament are not the first choice players, but the reserve players that these are the players that you've got to keep on side should your first team players get injured so they have to be part they have to feel part of um part of the squad so is that is that something that is your experience at la galaxy is that helping you now as a as a coach and can you relate with what um sir bobby robson was saying yeah exactly uh, you, you never know when your number is going to be called uh also me, I was a defender. I, I remember spending a lot of time after training working with stru- working with players like Landon Donovan to help him improve. He wanted to constantly train, mm-hmm. so he would ask me if I would stay and work with him. Uh, Hercules Gomez, another uh, important striker for our team. Uh, you know, I was helping in that aspect, but I was also pre- preparing myself by working with those guys. So uh, I've always felt like if my number was called, I'd be ready. Yeah. Um, With coaching, it's the same. You know, you sit back and you observe, and you can see certain players. Uh, they're, they're losing attention. They're losing focus. I, how do I bring them back in? And, and that—that's a big part of the process with uh, the coaching staff. Is 
uh, making sure you have contact with the players. Like that, sometimes you you spend a lot of time with the first team players instructing, uh, and the other players hopefully they're getting information. But uh, for you to reach them deeper, mm-hmm. you know, you have those conversations one on one or to the side that they know that um, you're you're they're always in your plans. You know, because you know, just like you said, someone goes down, someone has to step up. Yeah. You know, so you, you always have to have them prepared mentally. Uh, so they're not cut off guard. I've got a few friends who, my younger friends who are still playing football at the moment. One or two of them, I asked them, do you, do you want to coach after you finish playing? And there's one or two who go, no chance that they can't. Now, that being a coach now is not just um, sitting down and thinking tactics. No, that you tend to have to watch a lot of matches. You tend to watch a lot of players. You tend to speak with your backroom staff in terms of tactics and analysis of opposition. Tell me he's exaggerating. No. No, <laughs> not at all. I mean, <laughs> before, not at all. Before, before I, uh, you know, being a footballer, you know, uh, you have to look after yourself and eat properly, go to bed well. And, you know, you go you go to training two, three, two hours a day or you do some extra work and, you know, the rest is on your own, you mm-hmm. know, uh, as a, as a coach, even before I'm speaking to you, you know, I've been up for, you know, three, four hours already wow. watching video, uh, of, you know, of our next opponent so I can make a presentation to our team. On top of that, you know, I have to prepare, help prepare or prepare training sessions and you have to continuously be scouting for new players to come in, you know, uh, and I'm also in, in a pro course, so. I'm, I'm doing my proper level course mm-hmm. at the same time. So it, it never stops. There's never enough time. 24, 24 hours is not enough time in the day to be a football coach. Um, if you plan on sleeping four hours or so, it's not enough time. Please don't tell me that as a coach, you now also <laughs> you now also have to learn how to edit videos, do you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. It, it's, there's, it's time management, you know, also. Most coaches have families. I mean, I, me included. I have a wife and kids, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but that's part of the sacrifice, and you know, the, the family has to be on board with that. And you know, you, you give up some things. It, it's, uh, you know, besides playing, there's nothing else I'd rather do. Um, so it's worth it. But you know, there, there's sacrifices that you have to make. Wow. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say uh, the guy who was exaggerating, but now. Nah. Okay. But you think the bottom line is you do enjoy you do enjoy coaching like you just said. There's nothing else you'd rather do. You do enjoy coaching. What what tell me tell me um okay convince that player why it is not such a bad route to go down. Uh coaching why, why you should go into coaching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. what is the yeah, good the good point? You know, it's, yeah, the good point. Well, I mean, you you invest so much time in your life into something. You know, uh, you know, most players start at four or five, whatever, kicking a ball, and then you, you, if you're fortunate enough, you career out of it, and then uh, at, at one one time, it, it's time for you to, to walk away. So it's like, uh, do I want to walk away fully? You know, or you know, or do I want to give back in some capacity? Mm-hmm. You know, I say at least some of my my greatest moments that I've enjoyed was when I started off coaching in youth. 
yeah. you can see you can see that that feeling of giving back to your community or uh, players that, that find the same love that you have for something that you're able to help them instill it into them and then on, on the professional side you know it's uh, it definitely it's definitely mentally it's draining but for work you know you see it work in competition with someone else's work and, and want to succeed so you're always improving so all these things you thought you knew as a player there's, there's a whole world outside of that you know mm. and coaching is you know players kind of thinking there in terms of their achievements and you know what they can do they always want to win for the team but uh, the coach has to think about every single player that plays and doesn't play yeah. and, you know you learn, so, you learn so much more about the game uh, holistically than being a player, so I just think it's a it's a it's a new way to look at the game. As soon as you you leave it, uh, maybe maybe I, I think the best is to to go into your coaching licenses. You find you start to find interest of what do I want to do if mm-hmm. I want to stay involved. Mm-hmm. But you find out right away by those courses if because those aren't easy. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you're ready to grind to grind it out and be a professional coach, or not. but it's worth it. But you you sound there's this excitement coming out of you as you as you speak as you speak about coaching that I'm sure it is absolutely worth it for for you. Uh, it's yeah, I guess I guess you're you're right. Listen, you've got um, um, three Nigerian players. Are they with FC Tulsa? Solomon, Kwame, yeah. Rafael, Ayagwa, yeah. and Fon Udo. How did that happen? Yeah, just. Uh, connections back home, you know. Uh, I try to, I try to understand, you know, or, or keep keep a good understanding of what's going on in, in Nigeria, whether it's with the national teams or with the the, the league mm-hmm. that's going on there. Mm-hmm. We all we all know there's a lot of talent there that, you know, a, a lot of what's missing is just exposure. Yeah. And for them to, to be seen, so we know there's thousands of players in Nigeria that can play a good level. They just need to be found. So. I try to use my, my contacts there to say, you know, um, I look for young upcoming players and I also look for experienced players that yeah. uh, that that have shown that they can compete and they just they just still need an opportunity and they deserve an opportunity. So, you know, guys like Mfon that that have obviously in, in the league, he's mm-hmm. shown that he's yeah. a, a, a top class player, mm-hmm. you know, the, the thing is, can you adjust at a certain age to play in a different league? You know that's that's the that's the tough part is at what age can a player still still adapt to a new environment? Yeah. Uh, but we know our Nigerians, we can we can adapt in any situation. Yes, yes. <laughs> we're everywhere. You, you know, bet. we're in every country. <laughs> we're in every country doing well. You know, so uh, that's one thing I know about Nigerians is uh, we, we can adapt. Mm. How, how are they doing? Um, all three. How how. How have they? You use the expression "adapt." How have they adapted to this, to life in in the in the league? Yeah, I, I would say, not the the positive about the pandemic is we had a break in the league. Right. Uh, yeah, and that gave them maybe some time to adjust uh, socially with the teammates and and the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so- Solomon Solomon came in earlier. And he he right away he he adjusted you know he started the first match and played 90 minutes you know he's uh, he's one of those guys just a quiet machine you know he just kind of goes about work um, 
you know, Umfong get in, got in later because the whole process took a bit longer with him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, so and as an attacking player, that I think that's one of the most difficult things to, to do is find timing and rhythm, understanding your teammates. So I think the break in the season was a good benefit to him because mm-hmm. he, he's so much further along than he was when he than he when he first came in terms of uh, just being comfortable with himself and his teammates. Uh, we know he, he can score goals and to find himself in good areas to score goals, but it's just you know understanding a new different style of play. It's different, much different in the U.S. Uh, and then Rafael is um, again he's a player that can adapt. He's he spent some time in Europe, you know, um, and he's made a good adjustment also. So all those guys and are very are very adaptable and showing good promise and. I think they're going to make an impact for us this season. Fabulous. Listen, on your on you on your own personal um, personal goals. Do you where do you see yourself? Who are you? Okay, let, let me let me reach it a bit. Um, I'm sure, just as footballers look out at um, other footballers, coaches also look at other coaches. Who are the coaches in the game at the moment? Who? you look at and you see how they set up their teams and you're thinking i like what they're doing i like what he's doing yeah i mean it's it's easy to say guys like uh you know guardiola and guys like that guys that set the trend and the model for forward thinking progressive style of play mm. uh, you know i I'm a, I'm a chelsea supporter you know so i i really liked Mourinho in that time um but you can see how football and the business side of things can can change people. He's 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 changed into a much more pragmatic type coach in in the game. Mm-hmm. It can to you because it is about wins and losses. Even though you have to um, entertain crowds, you're you're judged you're judged based on wins and losses. So, yeah, uh, in terms of his personality and you know and how he approaches the media, his strength and confidence. You know, I, I really like uh, I, I like Mourinho more of the past than the present, but um, he's, he's a fantastic manager. Um, and there's there's a lot of new young managers that are coming through, like uh, Nagelsmann or mm-hmm. or Eddie Howe's having a tough time uh, at Bournemouth right now. Yeah, but he, he's a guy that I followed in terms of um, just his background, humble bit humble beginnings, mm-hmm. but. He played. He played for his team, the city team, and then he came back, started coaching them, and and they started elevating, elevating, going through uh, each level. And he's been in the Premiership, I think, five years or so now. Yeah. How about that? That's quite quite of achievement. Mm-hmm. They may go down this year, and I'll be interested to see how he handles that adversity. But um, his story, I feel like, is a little bit similar to mine in terms of like. We played at a good level, but you know, didn't have a long career. Had injuries and got into coaching and coaching in your city where you're from. So I draw a lot of parallels with a guy like him. So he's been a bit of an inspiration. Um, you know, there, there's other guys like uh, Darren Moore, Chris Otten. You know, uh, black managers that I'd, I'd like to see more of. Of yeah. course, uh, of course, it, it's not easy, but um, I always try to, you know see how they uh, interact or how they work and you know because it's 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 few and far between uh, us as managers so mm. I always try to watch their work do, do you do you find it 
you're from Tulsa. Yeah. yeah. Do you find it really strange and even possibly unacceptable that a sport like football has produced so many, so many successful black footballers struggles to find even even a tenth of the same level of successful um, black football managers at the top end even yeah it's um, th there's something obviously broken in, in the system that um, that you can produce so many players but not managers I think American football went through that same uh, that same realization you know and that the 70% of their players were black they had almost no coaches at one time and they started forcing a Rooney rule started forcing uh, their ownerships to, to interview coaches and give them experience in terms of just interacting with owners I think football is going you know soccer is going through a similar process right now um, how are they going to see it through and give guys an opportunity I think it it's tough because um, it's so discouraging you know I've done my European badges you have? And I, uh, yeah I have my UEFA you uh, do? yeah so I've gone to I've gone to courses and seen two three other guys among 50 or 60 and we're talking about A and B together and you know I asked one guy I won't say his name but he's had a sex, very successful career in Europe and I said, hey, you know, where where are other brothers like us? Why, why, you know, why here? I know we we say that there's uh, we're not getting opportunities, but why are we at the courses? And you know, and his response was, we're so discouraged by what we see that I, I don't. A lot of guys lose motivation to even show up here. It's like you spend the time here and then you you don't get anywhere from it. So I, I think we do need to overcome that, and we we do have to go. We have to show that we have to get qualified. You know, we, do we need support and, motiv and encouragement to do that? Mm -hmm. I, I think so. Uh, there should be some programming to say, okay, any any players that are interested in uh, coming uh, out of playing and in, into management, mm -hmm. uh, especially the black players, like how do how do we? Uh, I'm not saying make it easy, but them. give give them guidance and motivation to say there's going to be opportunities at the end of the day. You know, to encourage them. Uh, but you know, it's 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 strange to see that you can go into anything football, uh, and ninety percent is uh, or ninety five percent is uh, white or European, and you know, there's no there's no uh, former players of black descent that are even at the courses. You, you, you see, <clears throat> this individual that you spoke to who said that um, brings me to mind something I read about. About 10, 15 years ago, um, a former Premier League player who had stopped playing, he, he said at the time, when they asked him, why have you not gone to take your badges? He goes, there are so many who have already taken their badges and they never got yeah. any jobs. They yeah. never got any jobs. They never even got coaching jobs, not to talk of getting a managerial job. So why would I? So the, the, he, he said precisely what this person said to you. He said, that what's the point? What's the point in getting, yeah. spending all that money, spending all that time, getting the badges when you won't get the job? Yeah, I mean the the, the truth the truth is the reality is is that there's not we're not we're not getting opportunities to coach. So um, why you know that's that's the question. So um, and that's difficult. 
very difficult. So I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping myself into the position that I am, mm-hmm. that I'm in, I can help, uh, obviously do well and, and have a platform to speak about those things. But, you know, but I, I have to do well in order for those things to happen. I've gotten so many calls from, from black coaches that, that I didn't even know that that's been very encouraging. Hey, continue to, you know, open the door for us. And, you know, you're, you're, you're a trailblazer, make the path, you know? Yeah. So those things are encouraging. Obviously it's a lot of responsibility, but mm-hmm. you know, it's encouraging to, to, for people to, to support you, um, you know, to do something positive for other people outside of yourself. You, where, where do you see, where do you hope to see, to be, what dugout, see, in your dream world, Michael, in your dream job, name me the home dugout you would like. Uh, and that's a good question. Um, uh, you know, the way that I've always set goals is like, uh, I always want just to be the best version of myself. So how do I improve myself? I think if I have the potential of any human being, you know, which I expect that I do, then then the sky is the limit. You know, um, obviously I have to break uh, some barriers that maybe that that have never been done. Mm -hmm. At at 39 years old, you know, I'm still a young coach, but at this point, it's time to be achieving something. So I, I would say, the highest levels in Europe are very appealing. I think the MLS uh, is also a great up-and-coming league. I think in the next 10 years, the MLS is going to be one of the top five. Yep. Uh, and, and I would love to, to be involved in that. But I also have a, a, a major, major uh, objective. If I if I have one, it's to someday, can I, can I coach Nigeria in the World Cup? Look at that. Uh, well done, Michael. I was hoping to. Uh, I was hoping to hear that. <laughs> I, I, I would not shy away from that. You know, uh, you know. I think about it a lot. Hey, the U.S. is in, in 2026. It'll be in North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would. I would love to be involved with Nigeria in in the U.S. Imagine that. I mean, that's everything about me. If I'm working with Nigeria in the U.S. in the World Cup, I mean that that would be a for sure a dream come true. Wow. I swear, I don't think we can top this. <laughs> I don't think we can. I don't think we can top this. So we might as well just we might as well round it off here. Honestly, it's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you, Michael. Because I was actually going to ask, would you like to coach Nigeria? But you have done. You've done that. You've done that for me without me even asking. Listen, I know you've got to. You've got to rush back to your screens and to your to your PowerPoint so you can make more of your presentations. Listen, thank you so very much for. I am coming on your Sports Memo podcast. Thank you. I, I've enjoyed the talk, man. Thanks a lot. Um, appreciate what you do also, giving guys like me an opportunity to speak and have a platform uh, to speak. So keep up all the great work that you're doing also. Thank you, Michael. Cheers. Take care. Thanks, bye. Bye. There you have it. That was a fascinating time um, with... Michael Insien, the FC Tulsa, um, FC Tulsa coach. Um, it's it's really nice, and I, I've enjoyed his take on black coaches, his desire, his desire. This is a UEFA A Pro coach license holder, and his desire to eventually coach Nigeria. Mm, I love that. You heard it here first. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and then. Um, if you have, please, please feel free to share 
and also to to send in comments to on our website um it will be we would love to hear from you so so that combo we're away again for the next episode my name is calvin emeka on muka stay safe <laughs>